0: This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms, but do subscribe to the Mark Dolan YouTube channel, where you can see the show every week. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, which is all about self-improvement. It's about giving you a better life. We've got life hacks. We've got top tips for mind, body and soul and some great products. Let's start with the restaurant. Who doesn't love a trip to a restaurant? The ritual is incredible. You sit down, they give you a menu, you debate with your friends or family what you're going to be having to eat. Then you have the anticipation waiting for the food to arrive. Occasionally, the waiter or waitress will come along and you think, ha ha, here it is. And then they take a left and it goes to another table. Absolutely horrific. But then the food arrives and you have a great time. The problem with restaurants is it's an expensive business. So here's how to save some money, have more variety and a better experience. The business model of restaurants is to make money out of indirect stuff and incidentals. So side orders is a no-no do not get sides for example i don't know just like a, a little sprig of broccoli will cost you four pounds fifty it says broccoli you know or green vegetables and they turn up with this miniature little vegetable and you've wasted your money so don't bother with sides um obviously alcohol they make a lot of money on on booze and soft drinks but here's what you do the business model of restaurants is very much about the starter and the dessert So the profit margin on a starter is very high. And the reason why is because they give you a small portion, but they charge you something approaching what a main would cost. And the dessert is similarly disproportionately expensive for what you actually get. So here's what you do. Do not have a starter and do not have dessert. Okay? then what you do is you order extra mains. So you take the budget from the starters and the dessert you put it into the mains so let me offer you an example if there were four of you out to dinner then you order six mains it's absolutely incredible so then what happens is that each person has their own main so that's four mains for each and every one of you and then two extra mains that go in the middle which are shared by everyone absolute game changer And the reason why we do it is because, A, we're undercutting the business model of restaurants by skipping starters and puddings. Secondly, pudding is sugar. That's not good for you. We'll be talking about sugar uh, a lot in this show because sugar is, I mean, yes, it's delightful and pleasant, but it's not good for you. So you're doing your health a favour and you're getting more mains. And the reason why I have thought of this is because I'm one of those people that if I let's say I order the fish and then my colleague to my left has ordered steak and it looks better i'm consumed with jealousy i'm devastated i made the wrong choice well this is a fix for that because essentially you get a bit of everyone else's because you, let's say you've ordered the fish let's say the steak goes in the middle and some other a n other dish then um, you get to share it so those two extra mains can be split between four remarkable um, you're welcome enjoy now, let's talk about should we go straight into it? It's the four word diet. What is the four word diet? When you hear about dieting you think god, it's so complicated, I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to be bored and eating horrible food that I don't like and I'll be starving all the time. Well, I have fixed it for you. Extraordinary and amazing. It's a four word diet. Stop eating. <laughs> Carbohydrates, that's, I think you'll find three words. Mathematics were very bad for me at school. I got 7% in one particular maths paper, which I think it's actually impossible to get 7% in a maths paper. And here's the kicker. I'd actually really tried. I really applied myself. And with maximum effort, I got 7% in maths. Anyway, stop eating carbohydrates. Don't eat carbohydrates. This is it. It's it's a three-word diet. It will change your life. About, it was 2018, and I was tired all the time. And I would go running, and I would be incredibly drained and exhausted. And I'm like, wait a minute. At that point, I was in my early 40s. Why am I tired all the time? That's too young to be tired. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, You do have an issue when you go and see doctors, don't you? Because... You always have to imagine that when you go and see the doctor, the person they've just seen has got like advanced cancer. They've got something horrific, like they've got a a tumour the size of a basketball just popping out of their neck. Okay, and then you turn up and you go, hello, I'm in my early 40s and I'm a bit tired. They don't take that seriously. Now, I can understand why. I want to prioritise the very unfortunate person with the cancer, with the basketball tumour. Of course I do. But I have needs as well. And uh, but no. So this doctor looked at me and said, yeah, whatever. Pull yourself together. Get over yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. So I went home. But the bottom line is the problem was not solved because I was tired all the time, you know, just jaded. And that's no way to live your life. So I did a controversial thing, which is I went on the Internet, which is basically a kind of global digital platform platform. That contains the world's information uh, you access that through an electronic device called a computer which contains things like chips it's got a massive screen in front of it and a keyboard with which for you to type information using the qwerty format that's basically that's a computer that's the internet you're welcome and i went on the internet and i searched uh, the google for advice on how to feel better. And I looked up being tired all the time and I found quite a lot about blood sugar and about how, you know, the modern Western diet, your blood sugar's up and down and that can like, you know, whatever. You eat some bread or you eat some sugar and then you're tired half an hour later, peaks and troughs, um, kind of a a hormonal roller coaster. You know, I mean, that's, you know, most of you guys will be aware that, that that's an issue with, with things like sugar. Um, but there you go, so blood sugar. So I, I looked into it a bit more and I bought a book by Michael Mosley, who is, I believe, a doctor and a broadcaster. And Mosley's book at the time was something along the lines of the blood sugar diet. I think that's what it was called. And the idea was now I did not need to go on a diet. I was not overweight, but I was tired all the time. And this was a diet that was going to regulate your blood sugar. In other words, you weren't going to get the spikes. It wasn't going to go up and down. It was going to be more steady as she goes. And therefore, I thought maybe I'll feel less tired. So I did the diet. And within days, I felt immeasurably better. Why? By controlling my blood sugar. Well, after doing this for about six months, I had lost three stone. Now, I did not set about this journey to lose weight. I mean, yes, I had a bit of the tummy, I was a little bit rounder than I am now, but it certainly wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pressing issue, the dad bod, but I did drop three stone, now a lot of people have said to me, well, you didn't need to lose weight, and I would argue, well, I, I guess you're right, but I did lose the weight, and I'm not dead, am I, um, in fact, my weight now is about 75 kilos, uh, I was obviously over, over 90, when I am, um, When I went on the blood sugar diet, but I did it to regulate my blood sugar and to be healthy, but I lost weight. After that, I became a huge exponent of proponent of low carbohydrate living, right? And this is like not eating carbs. So that's it, right? This is how you get thin. You stop eating carbs and you'll feel much better. So actually, if you're listening to this or watching this and you're not overweight, but want to feel better, you also go low carb. And here's how it works, right? Weight loss is all down to hormones. It's nothing to do with calories in, calories out. People always say, if you burn more calories than you consume, you'll lose weight. No, that doesn't take into account body chemistry. And it's all one word and it's insulin. So the big thing with insulin is that insulin is a hormone that comes from the pancreas and it regulates blood sugar. And its job is to keep your blood sugar within your whole body to about a teaspoon. Did you know that? Your your whole body is always trying to have one teaspoon of sugar in the whole body. A teaspoon. That's very low, isn't it? So you can imagine the horror that happens when you eat a Mars bar. How many spoons of sugar in a Mars bar? Welcome to hell. So hormone regulates, regulates blood sugar. And here's the thing. When insulin is high, you store fat. Because what insulin does, let's say you eat some sugar or some carbohydrates. Your blood sugar goes up. The pancreas produces lots of insulin to get that blood sugar down. What does it do with the sugar when it finds it? It converts it into fat. It pushes it into fat cells. So when insulin is high, you store fat. When insulin is low, you burn fat. The fat cells open and get used for energy. So when your insulin is low and you're going about your day, and you're writing an email, or you're having a walk, or you're sleeping. Your body is taking stored energy, which is basically body fat, and using it f- as food. So your your body is literally eating itself. If you think about it, fat storage um, it, it is a natural mechanism, and we're designed as a species to store some fat because then there's going to be a winter, there's going to be a you know a drought. There'll be some challenging event and we'll need some available food on our bodies that's what fat storage is but because of the modern diet which is processed carbohydrates um that's gone into overdrive and we're storing too much food and that's what anyone who's fat has got too much too much fat storage so the insulin goes up when you eat carbohydrates now what are carbohydrates well they are starchy vegetables such as potatoes uh, Tropical fruits. I mean, all fruit is a carbohydrate, but especially tropical fruits such as bananas, mangoes, pineapples, uh, pure sugar, uh, pure carbohydrate. And then you've got bread, rice, beer, pasta and anything that's got sugar in sweets, ice cream, etc. So those are carbohydrates. And um, what happens is that even if you eat bread, okay, even if it's a whole meal bread, like a lovely dark bread, it's still a lot of carbohydrate, which means that it converts to sugar in your gut. So a pint pint of beer contains no sugar. But when you drink it, your body turns it into sugar straight away. So it's the same as lemonade. It's just that you have a mechanism through digestion that turns beer into glucose. But a pint of lager is a pint of lemonade effectively. And it's the same with bread, it's the same with a bowl of rice. People talk about uh, these, uh, uh, what not rough carbohydrates, um, complex carbohydrates. It's a bit of a myth, really, because all that happens is that it still gets turned to sugar in your gut just a little bit more slowly. But the end product is the same, which is higher insulin. So what you do instead is you replace carbohydrates with protein and natural fats and green fibrous vegetables and berries. Okay, so, for example, you can have meat, you can have fish, you can have cheese, you can have eggs, yoghurt, you can have double cream, you can have butter, you can have olive oil, you can have coconut oil, you can eat avocados, certain nuts such as Brazil nuts and almonds. If you want to do baking, you can make bread, you can make cakes with almond flour. And that's what you do. So you cut the carbs and the weight just melts off you. Now, remember, I cut the carbs because I wanted to get my blood sugar steady and low. But the consequence unintentionally was to lose three stone. Miraculous. So now I feel I'm I'm lean. I feel I've got energy. I don't miss it. There are lots of alternatives to sugar, some natural alternatives. I think we'll do a special show on this in the future. But just whilst we're on it, if you decide that you're going to jump on the low carb train, then um, erythritol is a natural plant sugar. It contains no calories. Um, if you look at the ingredients, it says that it's got 100 grams of carbohydrate. But the digestible part of that is is 100 uh, percent, is 0 percent. So basically you don't digest it. It just passes through you. So erythritol is a great natural sweetener, as is stevia, which comes from a plant. No calories, um, zero blood sugar spike whatsoever so there are alternatives to sugar out there you can get sugar-free chocolate now sweetened with erythritol as i mentioned or stevia um i've got a great sugar-free lemonade which is water lemon juice and a couple of drops of stevia unbelievable cloudy lemonade more or less no calories more or less, no insulin spike. Uh, we'll do a lot on alternatives to carbs, but that is it. That is your three-word diet, okay? Don't eat carbohydrates and the weight will just, the, the fat will just melt off you. Uh, the reason why it's not the easiest diet at first is because carbohydrates are very addictive. First of all, they're, they're very addictive in the short term because when you eat some carbs, um, you feel good, you get a buzz, you get a little high, Okay. So it's basically a drug. That's why the food industry has done so well, is it's turned food into a drug. Because if you think about stuff like Pringles or, you know, McDonald's French fries or milkshakes or, or, or any other such product, processed product, you know, they are carefully engineered to, to feel good on your palate and to make you feel good and to give you endorphins and make you feel mar- It's a drug, drugs. It's, it is a drug, okay? Sirloin steak is not a drug. Broccoli is not a drug avocados are not a drug olive oil is not a drug so do you get my point um pizza is a drug bread is a drug beer is a drug um mars bar is a drug so that's it really it is remarkable um now listen let me say as i would always say in this show i'm not a doctor i'm not a medic i'm not a dietitian i have no qualifications so if you change your lifestyle or your diet do consult your doctor Um, but that's just my life experience, my two pennies worth. Um, If you want some advice online or or if you want some like, you know, various resources, um, you've got Dr. David Unwin, UNWIN, who is an NHS GP here in the UK, who has reversed the diabetes of many of his patients by getting them onto a low-carbohydrate diet and he also went on his own low carb journey and lost loads of weight he was going to retire from um, medicine because he was so fed up with how sick his patients were and he was a bit tired and knackered himself since he unlocked the magic of low carb he hasn't retired and he's changing lives every day you've also got dietdoctor.com which is an excellent website uh, full of various tips and explanations about how the low carb diet works excuse me, it's got different names, by the way, you've got keto, some people call it, some people call it low carb, um, paleo, Atkins, there's all different names, and there are different emphasis. So keto itself encourages you to have as much natural fat as possible. Um, I've never really bothered with with the minutiae of it. And, you know, sometimes people on keto are just having like, you know, liters and liters of fat every day. Because uh, the reason why fat does help with weight loss is because when you eat fat, it gets rid of hunger and you you um, don't have any insulin response from fat. It's just zero. Um, but anyway, in a nutshell, low carb is meat, fish, eggs, um, full fat dairy, um, natural fats, and then unlimited green vegetables and salad and berries. And that's pretty much it. That's you. That's what it is. Uh, you'll have noticed because some people say, well, this is dangerous. It'll kill you. Wait a minute. All I'm telling you about is real food. It's just real ingredients, isn't it? So give it a try. But again, do take medical advice, especially if you don't feel good on it. Um, do I have anything else to say? Oh well, yeah, one quick one. Um, you'll never be hungry on a low carb diet because the insulin stays low. So you don't get the spike. doesn't go up and down. The blood sugar stays steady. Some people feel more mentally alert when they go low carb as well, but I can't verify for that. But I know I do. Um, right. Some other things before we move on. Um, a great life philosophy. Let it go. So I got a parking ticket this week. Absolute nightmare. Self-inflicted. I'm a bit of a gambler. I just parked in front of a supermarket. I'm like, I'll only be two minutes. I come back. There's a parking ticket. So learn from that. Um, i was uh, i went to the dental hygienist yesterday which i always enjoy and as this woman was drilling my teeth uh, we were sort of having a sort of awkward conversation was awkward for me because i had a you know some sort of weird jet in my mouth and then she's got this device and she's scratching away but we were talking about this um my lovely wife has got a great life philosophy which she said every mistake once which I think is brilliant, you know, it's the idea that, but then this lady upgraded, and she said, um, basically, she said, it's not a mistake, if you don't do it for a second time, which is pretty much the same thing, but don't be afraid of mistakes, and If you learn from it, it wasn't a mistake in the first place, because then it was a learning experience and it will never be repeated. Uh, You'll have had that issue. uh, Do you have this? I get to get this at work, which is that um, if a colleague makes a mistake, it's normally quite funny at times. Oh, look what you've forgotten to do. If they do it a second time, it's just really annoying, isn't it? It's not funny anymore. So fill your life with one off mistakes. And I think you'll find there's a lot of progress. You know, you, you really nothing, anything good was achieved without mistakes being made. But just make it the one mistake and then take a note of why that mistake happened and make sure it does not repeat. So I gambled with running into the supermarket. I got a parking ticket and really. So the cost of that is 40 quid. I've paid 40 quid. But actually, I've paid to learn something. Right. Which is even for two minutes, make sure that you are legally parked. Right. So I now I commit to never illegally park again. And then that 40 quid was worth it. Right. But that's actually not the key key message. The key message is let it go. So I got this parking ticket. I was furious with myself but rather in in the old days, I'd be mulling over this parking ticket for a couple of weeks, and it would be it would be sitting there on the kitchen table staring at me, I'd get angry every time I saw it. I would consider appealing it, even though I knew that I'd basically parked illegally and I'd basically but carry this around with me for two weeks. What is the point in that um so now, with that parking ticket, I accepted I was in the wrong. I made a mental note not to park illegally again and gamble in that way. And I paid it straight away. So I paid the parking ticket within an hour, two hours of having received it. I just paid it. Like, go online, put the code in, get it paid. And then I tore it up and threw it away and think about it again. Yes, I am minus 40 pounds and that's not good. But do you realise that it only spoiled my life for those couple of hours? And then I paid it and it was gone. Okay, so let it go. And bang, I've had 13 days of not thinking about parking tickets, whereas back in the day, if you don't let it go, it carries you for two weeks. So whatever it is, a bad relationship, move on, let it go. If it's over, it's over, just woulda, shoulda, coulda. Do you know what I mean? The things they did, the things you did, whatever. Mistakes you've made in the past. You will never progress in life unless you forgive yourself for everything you've done in the past, including one minute ago. So that's it. Just let it go. Um, and it ties in with the absolute genius that is Michael J. Fox, who, of course, is a wonderful actor from Back to the Future. Um, fun story about him, by the way, which is that Michael J. Fox was he signed up to do a TV show called Family Ties, which was a sort of sitcom. And that was a you know long running hit series. It was a sitcom. He played a character in it. And that was a good gig, obviously. And then Hollywood come calling, and I think it was Robert Zemeckis that directed Back to the Future, and they wanted they wanted this guy who's in the sitcom to star in a movie, which is Back to the Future, which is going to be huge. What an opportunity! So I think he does an audition, and he gets the part of Marty McFly in Back to the Future. He then goes to or his agent goes to the production company and the channel, the network, making Family Ties, the sitcom. And they say, hey, listen, um, Michael's got a part in a Hollywood movie. So um, would you mind releasing him for a couple of months so he can make it? And they said, no. They said, he's under contract. We own him and you're not having him. How horrible is that? So they basically were going to thwart his film career. You don't get a part like Marty McFly in Back to the Future very often, do you? So what uh, what did he do? What did he have to do? He had no choice but to make Back to the Future and his sitcom at the same time, which means that during the day he made the sitcom and then at night he shot scenes for the movie. And that is how he did it. So essentially for a few months, he was working day and night, 24 seven. And there are lots of scenes in Back to the Future, uh, little known to the audience, shot at night because that's the only time he was available anyway. He's a wonderful man. He got Parkinson's disease, which is a debilitating condition, uh, which is all too common in our society. And he has tremors and um, all sorts of other, a whole host of issues. Uh, But the guy is so inspirational. And he was asked about, you know, how he's got through this and what motivates him to continue with life, given that life is so difficult with Parkinson's, especially for him because it's very advanced and he said something very simple and you're going to love this which is he said um the way i get through life and the way i've achieved uh, happiness and peace is as follows he said i aim for maximum acceptance and minimum expectation so in other words he wakes up in the morning and he knows that he's got parkinson's so he's not at war with it like why have i got parkinson's grr fighting it being angry regrets no 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 you have parkinson's that's it it's done you have it it ain't going anywhere and that's tying in with my little thing let it go it's out of your control you have the parkinson's so that's 100 percent acceptance you're not at war with it anymore just as i know it's trivial but i accepted the parking ticket okay i got one end of and then the lowest expectations so he wakes up in the morning and he's like look if i can just stay alive today And if I can make a cup of tea, have a conversation with my wife and send an email, you know, just simple, basic expectations, Um, because then what happens is that you'll achieve more than that. You know, this guy, he's going to achieve more than make a cup of tea, send an email, whatever he will. He will likely manage more than that. But if he expects the minimum, if the threshold of expectation is low, then that's doable because you'll always go beyond a low expectation which is therefore very motivating and feel very feel very, feels very positive right so there you go maximum acceptance uh, lower expectation lowest expectation try that it's a great hack and it will it will unlock um, a lot of issues for you right next up let's have a look um, what have we got um oh yeah can we talk about my products of the week very excited uh, lots of things to talk to you about product wise Uh, first of all this show is is global so i try to make the products as universal as possible um because you know there's nothing worse than hearing about a product that you can't get in your region i mean i'm in the uk and there's lots of great stuff in america i can't get and i find that very annoying i've got a special kind of travel mug that i really like and you just can't get it in the uk and if you go on amazon I, i can import it from america Right, it's a travel bug, seventy-five pounds. So that's not going to happen. But the actual retail price of the thing is like it's like twelve quid. But because it's in America, God knows, I'll have to pay taxes, and maybe an American has to like come over and deliver it personally. I don't understand. I'm not sure what the drill is. But anyway, it doesn't doesn't make sense. So I'll try to make the show as uh, you know globally accessible as possible. Um, and I'm going to start with um, a generic product, okay? Um, and it's it's baking paper. Right. There's there's my particular product. It's a brand called If You Care. Quality with integrity. There you go. It's a very eco product. Um, in fact, I, I like the fact that the packaging is, is also non-plastic. Now, why am I talking to you about baking paper? Well, baking paper is an excellent kitchen hack because tin foil, okay, is very expensive. Uh, it's very bad for the environment because you're essentially getting through a lot of aluminium and it's it's just a energy intensive to mine the aluminium and recycle it and god knows what else and therefore it's not uh, it's not ideal so um but i just discovered recently that baking paper does the same thing as tinfoil it does the same thing now it's much more environmentally friendly because it's paper right and it's definitely cheaper i mean this is just this particular box i think it's cost me a couple of quid i've got a massive roll an absolute ton right You, do, what is that that is that must be two or three times as much as you would get with tinfoil for a fraction of the price price um, so, for example, if you are baking stuff in the oven, uh, the other day I I did um, I did I did a little baking. I actually baked um, some low carbohydrate biscuits, and rather than put them on tin foil, I put them on the baking paper. But it works for anything. You can just cook, you know, a- anything that goes in the oven. Basically, it's paper and it's oven proof. So use that instead of tin foil. So oh yeah, let's 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 say if you're doing turkey, for example, they often suggest. That you keep the turkey loosely covered in foil for the first hour, then you remove the foil and then you let it cook so then it doesn't dry out. Well, replace the foil with the baking paper. Also, it's great for transporting food. So, for example, if you've made um, a sandwich, or, or let's say you're just transporting a piece of meat, God knows what, wrap it in baking paper and then just put an elastic band around, and that's that's a a travel pouch you know that's you've it's excellent food storage you just wrap the stuff in the baking paper you can also cover things in the fridge with it so and, and that by the way that would be an alternative as well to cling film why don't we like cling film it's plastic horrible yuck um so there you go we love we love the baking paper it's multifunctional it replaces tin foil and it replaces cling film and um, the only thing I don't think it would work for, I haven't tried it, but you're welcome to try yourselves, is is uh, the grill. I don't know if that would work. I feel like it might set it on fire. Um, cheap stuff. We are going through huge economic challenges at the moment. And let me tell you that cheap stuff is so good these days. When I was a kid, right, cheap stuff was rubbish and expensive stuff was good. right? That was the law of the universe. So I'll give you an example. Cars i'm born in 1974 so i was kind of like aware of stuff by the 80s and i was interested in cars when i was a kid and let me tell you in the 80s uh good cars just kind of worked and bad cars didn't work okay so things like Vauxhalls in the 80s they just they broke down and they blew up fiat's and you know fords and all the rest of it you know just they just would break down they just weren't the quality was not there in the 80s a mercedes-benz right the reason why you bought a mercedes-benz is because they didn't break right that car just carried on my dad bought a second hand mercedes 280 ce for six thousand pounds in the mid 80s and that thing was a tank it never died it just never died in fact the it came to the end of its natural life when my dad pulled over and parked quite badly must run in the family he got out of the car and someone crashed into the back of it luckily he was fine and so was the driver but the car was written off but that car basically it it did not die of natural causes i'm not sure it ever would have died because 80s mercedes benz they just didn't break anyway so what happened is that it was the same with so much stuff you know technology gadgets the cheap stuff was bad the expensive stuff was good well that's all changed um Whether it's clothing, you know, that the way that clothing is made now, the difference between Primark, which is a very cheap British brand, um, Primark jeans versus Levi's, right? People say that the quality is not there. I disagree. I think there's very little difference between Levi's and Primark, except the price. Levi's jeans will cost you 60, 70, 80, or 100 pounds. Diesel jeans will cost you 150, 200, 250. Primark jeans... £10, £11, £12. People freak out about the Primark because they worry about the sweatshops. Now, let me tell you that there must be issues. Um, there are issues. When that happens with illegal sweatshops, very often the retailer is not aware of it. And they often and Primark have teams of people that fly out to the Far East and uh, and Asia and they inspect and they check because they don't want slave labour. But it happens you get an unscrupulous boss accepts a contract and then subcontracts it to an illegal factory down the road. Right. That's not Primark's fault, but they all work on it. But the big thing is it's wrong to blame Primark because so many of the, the retailers use these um, factories and it happens. I mean, there's lots of stories about premium brands making clothes in the same factory that will make Primark will make next as next Ralph Lauren and Primark all in one building. So, um, and the reason why people freak out because Primark is so cheap, uh, but actually that's because they don't advertise on television or billboards or the radio. So they don't really use a marketing budget. Uh, They don't have an online, um, because actually online is quite a challenging business model. Did you know that 40% of clothing items that are bought online are returned? That's really bad for the companies. That's really hard for them. That's a big loser. And also the thing with Primark is they don't go for such a range. So they've got a lot of basics, which allows them to order in bulk. Um, But There you go. That's my little fun fact about cheap. But so so my point is that cheap stuff is better than it used to be. And so we're living in a golden era of cheap is good. OK, let me give you an example. So this shampoo, this is uh, Alberto Balsam tea tree tingle with vitamin b5 12 hour fragrance you're gonna smell good for half a day what the actual what what very excited about this um lasting 12 hour fragrance healthy looking hair whatever that is i mean all hair is dead so let's not get carried away if the hair was healthy that would be a bit scary gently cleanses meaningless jargon how do you gently clean something Uh, With vitamin B5. What does that mean? I don't know. Have they made that up? Is that a fake vitamin? Vitamin B53. Anyway, it's a great product. It smells of tea tree. Mmm. It's kind of minty. And there's also raspberry, which I like as well. Now, why am I recommending this? Because it costs 80p. 80p. Imagine. Uh, I've seen it for a pound, but you can get it for 80p. 80p. You must admit that is cheap and that's for 350 mils, 80 bloody P, less than a pound. Great product. Anyway, let me tell you, I have in my time, I've had expensive shampoos. Uh, You get very posh branded ones, don't you? The most I've ever spent on shampoo, I think was maybe 15 pounds for a bottle. I'd like to apologize. That is obscene, but I was just, I don't know why. I just got very excited about this brand. I'm like, oh, I know why because I've been to bloody hairdressers. And you know, when you go to the hairdresser and then you're paying and they go, would you like to you know, that shampoo we we did in your hair, we're actually selling it. Do you want to try it? It's really good for your hair. It's really yada yada. So that was it. I bought that for once, but I've had expensive shampoos. I've had cheap shampoos. I can tell you there's no identifiable difference, right? Why? Because the main ingredient of almost every shampoo is, and this will be in it, yeah, sodium laureth sulfate. So if you go for a really posh shampoo, Right. Normally, it'll have that in any way in it. The first ingredient, by the way, is aqua, which is water. Um, But there you go. So I can tell you that it's cheap. It smells good. Also, I've got uh, I don't know about you, but I find this a nice life hack, which is that I wash my hair with shampoo and I also use a shower gel. I'm not Life's too short to have shower gel and shampoo. So what I do is I wash my hair with shampoo and then under the arms, The nether regions, um, use a bit of soap there from, from, from the shampoo, from my head, even an extra squirt. I just like the simplicity of having one device in the shower, just one bottle game change. So there you go. I do do that. Uh, The other thing I do, and tell me if you're shocked by this, but I don't use soap on my, on my legs, really, or my arms or even my chest. I really just, I really have the soap on under the arms the intimate areas and the feet and then my hair that's it really i don't i don't actually use soap on my legs or arms i think i had a little and this is too much information a touch of eczema or um psoriasis never know the difference and what happened is that um i stopped using the soap on there and then it cleared up a bit so maybe that maybe that was it but anyway so i got out of the habit but i don't think you need to soap your entire body i think as I've mentioned, those key zones would would probably do it. Right, um, how are we doing? I think we're um I think we're approaching the uh the crescendo, aren't we? I tell you what we'll do. Um we will make we will make the Alberto Balsam tea tree shampoo, uh tea tree tingle. That'll be the product of the week, okay? 85p? 80 Can't remember now. 80p? I've forgotten how much it was. It was about 80p. 80p! I saw it for a pound, but got it for ATP. I'm going to leave you with this. And this is really joyous. Um, I was in, you know, life is there to help you. And it offers you the most wonderful freebies, doesn't it, life? It just, you know, you walk along, keep your eyes open. And there are opportunities. Um, I was working and there was a pencil on the desk. And I picked up the pencil and on the pencil, it said, do bad work. do bad work do bad work now i don't know why it said that on the pencil and there was no explanation but i took a picture of that i put it on my phone because i decided what it meant i I don't know what they mean but here's what i think they mean and anyway here's what i would recommend um you know this is my recommended interpretation and it's a fix for procrastination, right? I mean, imagine that. At the end of this podcast, by the way, we've done weight loss, right? We've done an amazing restaurant hack, and now we're about to fix procrastination, all in one show. Surely you can't wait for the next episode. Here's how you fix procrastination: do bad work, right? That unlocks it. Three words. Now, why why do bad work? Why, what, what is what is the thinking behind that? Um, the reason why most people procrastinate is because they feel burdened by the challenge of whatever it is they have to do a company report or send someone an email or run an errand or um, maybe erect a set of shelves at home whatever the task is you procrastinate maybe if you're a student it's like you can't be bothered to revise if you're you're a pupil at school and you don't do homework procrastination is mainly you just think, oh it's so big i can't start i can't you know and then there's another thing that happens which is perfectionists so people that think well look i want to do that company report but it's got to be so good so I'll, I'll do it really well tomorrow right nothing good was ever done tomorrow so here's what you do three words do bad work so what i mean is do it badly today right set out to do it badly and the reason why is because the minute you think I'll, I'll do that company report i'll do it badly Right? i'll put up the shelves badly if you go in with that mindset of, i'll do it badly it becomes a much smaller task, much more doable. You're not afraid of failure because you're doing it badly, probably fail anyway. And what will happen is that just the process then of starting it, the company report, the set of shelves, as you do it, you won't do it badly because it's human nature to always try to do something quite well. Uh, But the expectation is that you'll do it badly and therefore there's no pressure. And then You get started with it. And as you get started, you're like, actually, I'm not doing this as badly as I thought. And I've made more progress. And you know what? Maybe it's not perfect. But by the end of that day, you've either started it or you've even finished it. So that bad piece of work today is much better than something amazing tomorrow. And talk to, you know, you talk to a boss, a colleague or whatever, you know, you speak to anybody and if you ask them, would you rather have something, you know, that work you need from me, right? Would you rather have it like not perfect, but you get it today? Or would you like something amazing next Tuesday? They'll say, give me, give me the not perfect now, because it's like, you've given me some work. And then as I say, instinctively, inherently, it probably will be better than you thought anyway. So do bad work. Um, if you set about any challenge, it's just like the washing up, you know, cleaning the house, right? It just like, quick job but i think once you've once you've got the vacuum cleaner out you know like, i'm going to give this 30 seconds but once you start you're like i don't mind this i'm quite enjoying it and look at that carpet but the mindset the thing that unlocked it was the commitment to yourself that you would do it badly and uh there you go uh, there is that saying isn't there don't let the great be the enemy of the good and that's basically the essential but there you go that is it do bad work um it works brilliantly for if there's something you don't fancy And maybe you're not in the mood or you feel tired and today's not the day. Fine. Well, just do it tired and let it be less good, because by the end of the day, it will be done. And that is magical because history is littered with examples of people that did well in life just because they did it. They got it out there as opposed to the geniuses who are going to do something great tomorrow. Uh, That's the end of the show. Um Please like and subscribe because it helps more people to get to know the show it's been wonderful to have your company lots more next time see you soon